When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, you've all got to help me. I'm running a bath and I cannot forget. I started recording this podcast while running a bath and I'm not unknown to have forgotten about a running bath. So, shall I start a timer? Why don't I do that? Start timer. Not five seconds. I like to do five minute increments with bath running timers. Does anyone else do this? Just to be safe. Okay, the five-minute timer has started, or has it? Gosh, it's fascinating, this stuff, isn't it? This is why you listen to podcasts, I'm sure. Okay, five-minute timer has started. Um, well, what have we here? It's another episode of Homo Sapiens. Hello, everybody. How are we all feeling? Um, it's been a mere five days since we last spoke to each other, but it's felt like too long. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm here. I'm in Australia still. I'm absolutely boiling hot. I think it was like 36 degrees today. And I was filming and I was filming indoors. So it was 36 degrees, but we were all inside. And when you film inside, you can't have aircon on. So I think it was probably 40 degrees inside. So what you would do is you would leave the building to go out into the 36 degrees to cool off. That's how hot it was. And I actually, I just shoved an ice pack down my back. It has been a lot, my friends. So I come to you, a husk, but I've been drinking lots of, um, I keep saying electrolyte, but I mean hydrolytes. And uh, that sort of kept me on the straight and narrow. Um, I'm pissed for days though. Um, so we've got a very nice episode of Homo Sapiens for you today. We're going to be talking to national treasure Stephen K. Amos. He's brilliant. He's a comedian. And we talk about so many interesting things. You know, the way comedy has changed for queer people, for queer comedians like him. His documentary he made, Batty Man, about LGBTQ plus identity in the black community. The best story about meeting the Pope and asking him about being queer. And uh, what the Pope says back is fascinating. We talk all about Me Too in comedy and how that's different. We talk, you know, cover some of the stuff that the whole Russell Brand, terrible Russell Brand situation has brought up. And we hear all about his youth as a young queer man about town. It's really, Stephen is just extremely funny, warm, and I adore him. So it's really lovely chat. 
That's coming up in a minute. Meanwhile, a reminder. If you want to listen to Homo Sapiens without the ads, people are signing up and it's getting good feedback. So may I suggest that you sign up as well? If you don't like the ads, I um, can't imagine why, then you can have ad-free listening. It's a subscription thing. It's £1.50 a month. It's £1.49 a month. And you can just do a seven-day free, free trial and that's all great. While you're there, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And it also helps other people discover us as well. So, you know, if you could, we'd be honoured. Hey, also, guess what? We're doing a Homo Sapiens live show. Me, Tom Allen and Susie Ruffle, we're going to do a live show together. They have a wonderful podcast called Like-Minded Friends. It's going to be on February the 29th. We want you to come. We're going to have such a laugh. I love those two. We've got so many exciting things planned. I can't tell you any more about it other than that. So um, watch this space for more live show stuff. Now let's have a look at messages. You've been rating the best Girls Aloud songs because they've announced a reunion tour. Who's got tickets? Who's missed out? Who's excited? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Love Bananarama says, live in the country. Live in the country? Girl overboard. Can't speak French. Blackjacks. Max says biology, and then on top. Connor Tyler says wake me up, and then on top. David McFinn says the promise is probably one of their few songs where the lyrics do actually make sense. That is hysterical. Um, well, fact fans among us, I directed one of Cheryl's videos for Only Human. We had a lovely time together. When it comes to Girls Aloud, I go vintage. It's Sound of the Underground, you know? So sue me. Make sure you're up to date with all our previous episodes. Thursday, we chatted with Grimmy. So many messages about that. Thank you. Uh, Friday, we brought you two episodes on World AIDS Day. We explored the progress being made on HIV vaccination trial by talking to Dan Harry from I Kissed a Boy, who's doing the vaccine trial. And then we have from Russell T. Davis and active AIDS activist Ruth Coker-Burks, who has the most beautiful story in another part. So something for everyone in there is all I'll say. Now, how's my timer doing? 40 seconds left. Lots of messages about Grimmy's discussion of gay guilt. Um, he was talking about gay guilt and how when he realised he was gay, he just felt dreadful and he was worried he was going to die and there was no positive imagery for him. And it was really touching to hear him talk about it. He was amazing. So Keith said, spot on, not just was the lack of positive or neutral role models very damaging, but all we got in the media were endless variations on gay equals death. Only when I discovered American novelists like Edmund White did I realise that it wasn't inevitable. Rob said, what is it with Britain, Northern Britain, where these messages were the ones that took hold and being gay wasn't in a positive light? I felt similar feelings growing up 10 or so years behind Nick. Times have changed for the better, but not without all those bruises mentally to many people's self-worth and self-image on those long-lasting negative messages many of us encountered. Lovely that Homo sapiens, its guests and its listeners have been part of and witnessed that change. Yeah, well, Rob, that's very kind. Jacob says, yep. Lachlan says, this is so powerful and relatable. Herbie says, being the only gay person in quite a large family made me feel like I was wrong somehow. I used to get it all the time, especially if I thought about a straight guy. Jamie says, I completely buy all of this. The main reason I'm a people pleaser is because I'm gay. And was, am always worried about acceptance. It was brilliant to listen to two lovely gay guys verbalise it. Thanks, Jamie. Should we do an episode on people pleasing? After Cat Burns and I talked about it, could be cool. 
Now, let's go and have a chat with Stephen K. Amos. Uh, it's a lovely chat and it's coming into your ears now. I love talking to someone on tour. I want to know where you are. I want to know what you're eating. How are you having any vegetables? Well, I'm actually in Wimbledon in my residence because uh, I finished sort of the week of the tour in Tunbridge Wells in Kent. Uh-huh. And then last night I did a little tryout spot in Streatham. Uh, never heard of the place before. And uh, I also attended <laughs> the Black British Theatre Awards last night. So last... that was a very fun day. So I grew up in Southfield down the road from Wimbledon. Just down the road. Yes, I know it very well. But it was very much a place that, like, as a young gay man, I was like, I've got to get Well, um... yes, because my formative sort of years were when I, we moved to Ballam, and the only thing that was near us um, at that stage was a pub on the corner of Bedford Hill uh, called The Bedford. Bedford. And yeah. I used to dream of one day being able to go in there and buy a drink. Uh, it seemed like a, this, this utopia that we weren't allowed to get into because growing up, I come from quite a large family. My parents were very protective. Looking back now, I can understand why. But at the time, I really resented them. We weren't mm. allowed to play out, for example. We weren't mm. allowed to have sleepovers. Uh, if there was a school trip or a school journey, my mum would not allow us to go on any of them. We didn't even go on, on holiday as a family. Mm. And uh, I remember growing up in Ballam. Ballam was a very seedy area back then, uh, particularly Bedford Hill, where a, a particular profession was very prevalent on Bedford Hill and uh, lots of police cars going by. And uh, there was nothing to do as a kid. And all I would do, I'd save up my money uh, from either a little job or working in the supermarket to go up west, go up to the West End and and seek out my tribe. Your first journeys up west, tell me about them. They were, well, frightening, to be honest. They're really frightening, scary, because uh, I remember the excitement of going into the West End. Are we talking in the days where you could smoke on the underground? Can you imagine that was a thing? I mean, (laughs) with the wooden seats as well. It's extraordinary. I love that. The Bakerloo line still has the occasional one, doesn't it? And I love that. Yeah, it's nostalgic. So it was really like... uh, a concentration of gay bars and gay nightlife in the West End. I remember there used to be a, a, a venue called Bangs mm-hmm. uh, and uh, J-Wide, Heaven, and re- making a beeline for these places. But my first ever place was The Brief Encounter, which was a pub on St. Martin's Lane. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's where the St. Martin's Lane Hotel is now. And it had a ground level and a basement level. And it was open every night of the week. And it was such a joy to go to a place where people were just like-minded. But it was also very scary. Scary because of trepidation or... Absolutely. It took me... I walked around the block about 25 times before I plucked up the courage to go in. And, you know, paranoid that if someone would see me going into this place, I mean, as, as if, I mean, and then going in there and then literally with my back to the wall, just w- looking at all these men and yes. not knowing a soul, not knowing what to do. And I think I bought a drink and that drink must have lasted me six hours. Oh, do you remember the first conversation you ever had with anyone in there? 
I do actually, and uh, it wasn't particularly nice. It was a um, it was an older gentleman, and he came over to me, and I was probably about eighteen at the time. An older gentleman came over to me. He said, "Can I buy you a drink? Because I really fancy black men." Uh-huh. That was his opening line. And I was just like, "Oh!" And even back then, I knew that that was a bit kind of off mm-hmm. because my response to him was, "Well, so do I." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That is so quick. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a sort of... um sad irony about the idea that you kind of go you go into this through these doors into this place that could finally accept you but then immediately you're made to feel like an outsider in a different way absolutely i imagine that was horrible i I hadn't even uh uh, thought about that for a second i didn't realize i thought when you found your community you'd find your community but within Mm. that community there are divisions and Mm. and sub communities uh, like many years ago, and I did a documentary about homophobia within the black community. Yeah. And that was one of the first times I found out that there were loads of black gay clubs. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me that that would be a thing, but there were, there were loads of them. And uh, so I thought, oh, my goodness, now we're, now we're divided on race. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And interesting enough, I asked some of the people who were in the club if they would like to take part in this documentary. Nine times out of ten, they all said no. For mm. varying reasons, and also, and that's when I first heard the term "down low." People mm. living on the down low, living uh, double lives—something uh, that I really, myself, I said to myself years ago, I could never do that because you know we've only got one chance in this life, and and what kind of a life would it be if you're constantly looking over your shoulder or or worrying, mm. and then and then and and how terrible is it to to marry someone and and kind of ruin their lives as well by living mm. a pretense. Yes. So tell me a bit more about that documentary, because it was made at a time when people weren't really discussing the themes, which was homophobia within the black community, right? And how did it come about? And it's here we are 15 years later, if I could do the maths. (laughs) Do you think it's changed? Do you think it's made a difference? And what are the specifics around homophobia in the black community? Well, it's very interesting because the springboard for me doing that documentary came about because I was actually on tour in Australia and mm. I came back to London and the news was on in the background and uh, they were just talking about somebody who was killed in a homophobic attack on uh, Clapham Common. And mm. I just glanced up at the TV and it was a picture of a friend of mine. Mm. 
And I was absolutely horrified and mortified that living in a metropolitan city like London, that there are still people prepared to attack a complete stranger mm. to death because mm. of their sexuality. And that's what prompted this documentary. I mean, at the time, people were saying to me, oh, oh you don't want to do a documentary about, you know, about such a controversial issue so early in your career that you get pigeonholed, um, which is what happened, I should point out. <laughs> uh, because before that documentary, I was described as a black comedian. Since that documentary came out, is it now black gay comedian. Uh, so you just can't win. So, and I wanted to explore the subject matter. I wanted to explore it from my point of view as a black man who's born and raised in London. And I thought, yeah, let's let's take it internally and ask why there is such a kind of hostile reaction to the notion of homosexuality, same-sex love. I spoke to youth, young people, and mm. I had some you know, nice varying uh, responses, but a lot of the reasons came down to uh, religion, Mm. Uh, came down to um, uh, where that where their their heritage was, uh, i.e., um, I the, the Caribbean. The phrase "Batman," for example, which is what I call the documentary in the end, just to be a bit provocative. And it took me to Jamaica. You know, some people did criticise me, went, "Well, why don't you go to the African countries and talk about it then?" Because that was not what I was hearing on the streets. Yeah. You know, and musically, as uh, some musical artists, you know, are quite well known for, you know, homophobic bragging, really, in the in their music, and it being seen as okay. And from my personal point of view, talking to some church leaders in the Caribbean, in Jamaica, a lot of, a lot of the anti-homosexuality laws were left by the Brits. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's stuff we took there and left there. And yes, it's probably going to take a bit more time for things to improve. But I grew up with the notion, for example, that, you know, black men just simply can't be gay. Mm. So no, 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 no. And it's just, it's a myth. Yeah, I remember someone saying this about their granny and they were Indian. Their, their granny said, there are no gay Indians. That That is that. What discussions did it provoke, the documentary, aside from people changing what they referred to as? <laughs> were there any positive <laughs> outcomes? <laughs> Um, I think the positive outcomes were that it, it did challenge people because mm. I was also told that being gay, and this is a quote, was a white man's disease. <laughs> right. That's what I was told. Because when I was growing up, I didn't see anybody who I could identify with in any form of media, for example. And I'm not against anybody expressing themselves how they see fit. But when I was growing up, the only examples of gay men we saw were either very effeminate and very camp and in many ways kind of acceptable and mm. uh, not threatening. And yeah. and so you, you never saw a masculine or a masculated type of gay man. And so when I was doing this program, people were genuinely shocked that I was asking these questions because I was a gay man, because mm. they'd never seen that before. They just hadn't, yeah. do you know what I mean? And so that was in itself was quite powerful. Yes. to be able to talk to um, particularly the younger generation, and they kind of go, oh, oh, so you're a And they, you watch them, you know, catch them. Oh, oh so you're one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think it's that thing about just, you know, seeing somebody that that reminds you of you yeah. and knowing that it's okay. Mm, and you can relate. And, you know, talking about growing up, you know, saying you saw no one like yourself on the TV. One of your famous quotes is that, you can't get a job until Lenny Henry dies. 
Yes, one in, one out. And it's still prevalent today. I don't know if you know. And if you watch the, the, the current crop of comics on TV, there is like a revolving door. I mean, Judy Love, for example, is everywhere. Yeah. So you're guaranteed that no other black female comic is going to get a look in for a while. Um, really? That's Oh, gosh, that's how it works. It's really, mm. really bizarre, as if we're all the same and we're not all the same. You know, and I think that's why whenever I do stuff, I all, I'm always honest with who I am and my approach. And it really did unsettle some people because they don't know what to do with you. Mm. That's the thing, because th- to be as a, a quite um, a masculine man and an out and openly gay man, that's quite threatening. It's quite challenging. Mm. You know, it's not there's not the norm. I'm not, you know. Uh, flouncing around or, or or you can't just laugh at me. Mm. You're not sending yourself up, I suppose, is part of yeah. it, isn't it? Which has exactly. been such a blueprint for gay comics forever. Yeah. Um, but, I've, I, you know, I've heard London Hughes and I think Gina Yashere has said this as well, that it wasn't working for them as black comedians in England, so they went to America and it took off. I, I was in New York and Los Angeles earlier this year, and I saw both London and Gina. You know, yeah. Gina's got her own sitcom now on on yeah. on a lot, got her own parking space with one <laughs> of the most famous comedy producers in the world, Chuck yeah. Laurie. I mean, that's incredible. And when I was there, I also saw a lot of black British actors who'd gone there because mm. there's just you, there's there, and also one thing you see in America they have a lot of shows and they have a lot of Hispanic shows, for example, a lot of all black sitcoms, um, all Italian sitcoms. Do you know what I mean? There's just a yeah. lot more choice and opportunity. When you come, I mean, the only last black sitcom we had, it was Desmond's and that finished yeah. how many years ago? Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, this is complete speculation and also doesn't make it right, but it's like, it almost feels like in America, they can do it because there's enough people to watch in each group like the hispanic community the black community that it can survive but in england it's too small so it doesn't get viewing figures or something i don't know not sure that's uh, right you're absolutely right and you know what nobody will have the the gonads to say that publicly because we know that the black population of this country is still what only what four or five percent mm-hmm. we seem to forget that when you when you live in london i had a meeting years ago with a a big big honcho at the bbc right this person invited me to the meeting and I was telling everybody that I made it, I made it. He literally said to me, Steve, you're really funny. You're ready right now. It's them out there. He points out of his window. He said, they're not ready for you. Right? Wow. Wow. You brought me into your office to tell me that the British public aren't ready to, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. so extraordinary. But I get that. I, I, you know, I, when I had my radio series on Radio 4, sort of chronicling my early life and my parents being represented in the program with wonderful actors using a Nigerian accent. We had complaints. Really? People wrote in, no, we don't want to hear these voices on the radio. Goodness. Oh, really? Oh, yes. And also oh. when we recorded, we recorded those shows at uh, Broadcasting House in uh, Regent Street at the uh, Radio Theatre. Yeah. And whenever I go in there, before my show was on, the only black people I would see there are either on the security or behind the reception desk. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I go there to record my shows, the audience is at least 
60% black. And whenever I go there, the, pe- the staff say to me, oh, we never see this many black people come here at all, ever. Wow. So, do you know what I mean? If you give uh, people a platform and a chance, they can reach out. That's the end of part one. Stephen's a wonder. So are you. Go find part two on the feed. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.